Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 53. We are joined by Abe Abraham Moldeslassie, the head men's basketball coach at McAllister College. Joining us from his couch, like everyone else uh, is currently doing. What's up, man? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, Paul and Ian. Uh, great to be here. Uh, we, we've been trying to do this for a few months. I tell you what, it took a, it took a pandemic to get you on the podcast. Hey, it's, you know, uh, better late than never. And uh, it's, it's amazing what coronavirus has done to bring people together. So glad to be here. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Um, let's jump right in. I want to get, uh, I want to give you a good amount of time here to talk about um, this season and the past couple of years, but just for context, I think two things. One, even before we talk about McAllister and this season, um, for people that have no idea who you are, give the, the brief rundown of how you got here and, and your playing and coaching career, and then we'll jump in. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, Paul. And so, yeah, this is my second year as the head coach at McAllister and uh, got into basketball like everyone else. You know, you started playing as a little kid and we all had dreams of playing in the NBA. Right. Paul, I'm sure you did, Ian. And yeah, the, it's the, yeah, the dream ended relatively short, probably by like eight <laughs> years old. But yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as soon as you start to realize at that time, David Stern's not going to call your name. Right. The next best thing is to is to get into coaching for yeah. I, I thought. And so. Um, started coaching in Vegas at a place called Impact Basketball. I was there for a couple of years and then um, coached at the college level for eight years. Uh, Bowden in Maine, Dartmouth in New Hampshire, uh, Davidson in North Carolina, uh, Siena College, where, where you guys are in New York, and then back home. So um, amazing ride. Uh, very thankful. But, like, you know, I'm on with you guys now. Because, you know, I, I like you guys, but obviously basketball has brought us together, right? Without basketball, maybe I don't know you. So, um, it's been an amazing journey and, and thankful to, to be back home. What type of stuff were you doing at Impact? I always forget that you did that. Yeah. So, I started out as an intern, you know, and I think a lot of young coaches that want to get into coaching, you know, maybe they have this glamorous picture of what it is. And you guys know as student managers, um, okay. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was essentially a student manager. So, I was I started out just rebounding for guys and doing laundry and making protein shakes. You know, a lot of NBA players would come out there in the summer. So uh, I was driving guys to the airport, driving guys to their hotel. Uh, Glorious. Yeah. I mean, all the, you know, and, and everyone's like, oh, you were in Vegas for two years. And it's like, yeah, it was great. I mean, but, but that's how I started, you yeah. know, and I did that for like three months and then ended up getting hired as a, we started a prep program. So I was an assistant coach and then, you know, got to do more coaching then, but um, not as glamorous as, you know, maybe everyone thinks. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's fast forward to now. So you took over um, after the 2018 season. The team uh, had gone three and 22. Um, and then you come in first year, you get seven wins. This year, you get eight wins. Um, how hard has it been to revamp a roster, build a new culture? I mean, you're familiar with it because you played there. But how, how hard has the past two years been in terms of you're the man now, head coach. You know what I mean? Like the responsibility is on you. I always tell my assistant, don't, uh, Connor Nord, uh, don't, don't worry about your, no one ever asked the assistant what your record was as an assistant. So, yep. 
Um, but as a head coach, like you said, now it's on you. So um, I, I love it. It is challenging, you know, but at the same time, it's a chance to be a head coach and uh, it is changing culture and changing. We don't even talk a whole lot about culture. We talk more about commitment level. And I think, you know, for people that maybe don't know division three as well, uh, you know, again, you're not on an athletic scholarship and, and really the academic piece comes first. So we have guys who are physics majors and econ majors and uh, poli sci majors and comp sci. And so there are times where they have a lab or they have a test to prepare for. So they might have to leave practice 15 minutes early or leave 15 minutes late or um, arrive 15 minutes late. So um, you got to understand the institution before you take a job. And I think being a student there and, and obviously graduating from there um, helped me understand the place. But, you know, when I talked with the guys and interviewed and, um, you know, met with the guys after I got the job, we just talked about commitment level and how yeah, if, if you expect me to come in, I'm one person, right? My playing career is over and I'm going to do everything I can to invest in them. But uh, everyone's commitment level has to rise, which a lot of people say is culture, right? Um, you see, there was that one YouTube video of all the new head coaches when they get interviewed. Like, <laughs> oh, it was culture, cult, right? Like you, you see that everyone says that and, and it's true. But to me, it's it's commitment level. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's good, that's and it's and two years in, I think our commitment level's risen, and uh, we, we've been successful. And again, you know, you might say, well, seven wins or eight wins, um, that's clearly not where we want to be, but it is moving in the right direction. And uh, going into year three, we'll have our top five scorers back. Uh, we have six commits coming in. So um, we're in the middle of it. You know, the, I kind of joke when I say that the bandwagon's filling up. So we're pulling in, we're saving you a spot. Done. In about a year or two, there, there, there may not be much room. So, well, I'm a, I'm a medium, so just feel free to send over whatever <laughs> you want. We can jump on the bandwagon. Um, and this is, I have this question too, because, you know, I haven't uh, been at that level, but what's, what's the biggest difference between recruiting at the D1 level and the D3 level? And I'll even just give you my thoughts before you answer. But to me, at the D3 level, you just have to cast a way wider net. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that's how I see it from the outside. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So again, as everyone knows, you don't have athletic scholarships, right? So a lot of kids that we're recruiting are, are guys who might be, you know, borderline D1 or maybe even D2 level players, but uh, understand that this might be a better academic fit. It might be a better social fit. Um, we, in Division Three, you only get 19 weeks to work with our guys. So that's another thing. So there's, right, there's 52 weeks in a year. Yeah, that's you get wild. 19 weeks that to work with them on the court. And then the other 33, is that my math? Yeah. The other 33 weeks or 32 weeks, um, we can't work with them on the court, right? So it's, it's a different model, um, but you have to recruit guys. We always say high character, strong work ethic, love for the game. And again, you're not playing for athletic scholarship. We're not on TV right there. You're not getting as much gear as maybe you are at Division One level, but um, it might be a better life fit for a lot of guys. So um, I was surprised. You have, to cast, you have to cast a wide net. I was surprised that your roster, when I was looking at it, I figured – 90% of it would be from Minnesota. And you got, you have a kid from New York, from Trevor Day. <laughs> Not from New York. We got a, we got a kid on our team from uh, Gabby Ramos is from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, Ahad Anjum's from Pakistan. Now he lives in Dubai. Uh, are you just like the greatest tour guide ever on campus? Like, how are you doing this? No, I, you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of it's the school, right? We have, so I'm going to give him a McAllister plug and I'll do a few today, but not too many. So we, we have students we have 2,100 students. I'm going to ask you guys this. 2,100? What? 2,100 students in our high school is bigger. Okay. So 2,100 students. How many states do you think Ooh. come from – how many students are coming? Whole popu the whole student population? The whole student population. I'm going to say 50. 
I would say 40 seconds. 50, 50. How many countries? How many countries? Uh, 25. Lower. Ian, your guess. I'm going to say 14. No, he was <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I meant higher. My fault. Higher. Oh, oh, higher than 25? Yeah, higher. I'm sorry. 42. 97. Jeez. 97 countries. 90, well, it might, I know for sure it's like last year it was 96, yeah. 97. It might be 94 this year. I don't know. But overnight, let's say over 90, right? So yeah. 2,100 kids. 2,100 kids. Yeah. So you have, a, it's just, it's a school, you know, that's I, 50s, 60s have um, brought in a lot of international students. You know, we're in St. Paul. So it's again, yeah. not as big as New York City, obviously, or, or Chicago, but not, not a small town either. So it's, it's a good balance. And, um, yeah, so we just we have a lot of international students and, and we draw nationwide. So we're able to recruit, like you said, we're able to recruit with a, and, and recruit with a big net. So how often are when you go into it, whether it's recruiting a kid, talking to them for the first time, how often is it? Hey, I'm familiar with McAllister compared to I have no idea. This is my first experience with it. It's interesting. So we'll, we'll have we'll have our kids we're recruiting in Minnesota that don't know much about McAllister at all. Yeah. But I'll talk to a kid from New York City or a kid from L.A. or Portland or Seattle. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my aunt went to McAllister. So we'll have it's interesting. We um, we only this year we only had three kids on our roster from from Minnesota. But I would I would say it's half and half in half the time. A kid's heard of us half the time. A kid's like, you know, vaguely maybe heard of us. So, yeah. How about the six new kids coming in? Where are they from? So we have two from Wisconsin, we okay. have uh, one from Denver, from Colorado, uh, one from Potomac, Maryland, uh, hey. one from Massachusetts, um, and who am I free? Two from Wisconsin, Colorado, Massachusetts. And Maryland, uh, you said. That's sick, oh, right? Maryland. I'm sorry, in Maryland, in Maryland, yeah. yep. Now, how often are you getting to see these guys in person throughout the year? Or is it a ton of video? It's, it's a lot of video. It's like, cause again, we don't, we don't have the budget, right. Of a division one school. So we don't, we don't have the private charter where I can just like drop yeah, it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, yeah. So you're lucky if you get to see them once live, but it's a lot of film that the high school coach will send. And, you know, we use a website NCSA that has like a, a lot of highlights and has all of their transcripts and they, they kind of have a, a profile that they'll type a bio. So um, and then I think it's, you know, and you've done a really good job of this over the, your entire career, but it's building relationships that you trust and you're like, Hey, can this kid play at my level? And then I feel like you just create like a baseline of like, all right, well, if he's as good as this kid, then I'll take him. If he's not, you know, then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and actually one of our, our good buddies, right. James Cormier at Cushing. Uh, we, we have a, a kid. Coach of the year. What's that? Coach of the year. No, I know. Oh, I know. Wow. It's, huge. it's huge. Yeah. Crushing it. Big time. You know, so, um, look you back know, I, here. <laughs> yeah. but yeah, like, you know, when I was at Dartmouth, obviously I worked with Paul and, um, you know, I've known James for a while and, and Chris is older brother, but, um, so one of the kids coming in is from Cushing, right? So a lot of that just relationships, like you said, and trust. Oh, I've heard, who, you, who did you guys get? Uh, Kobe gold. Kobe gold. Okay. Yeah. I saw them play, um, when they came to step, not Stepanek. What was the Mount St. I don't know. It was up in the Bronx. I can't remember. Um, but I saw them play. They ended up losing. They had it. Um, but they had they had a really good team. And then they got the kid Isaiah going to Cornell. Yeah. And then Bensley, Joseph. Get a rising senior? The, the rising senior, but I think he already committed to Brown. Don't yeah. quote me on that. But either way, yeah, really good. Um, all right. So I was looking at the, the MEAC. Um, so St. Thomas and St. John's, have they just swapped championships the past two years? Yeah, so they they've been 
I would say the two traditional powers in our league. They were actually this year supposed to meet in the Sweet 16 until the, uh, yeah. the whole virus thing canceled everything. So, um, and it's interesting in Division Three how they how the brackets set up. So uh, it's very regional. And so even though St. Thomas, I think St. John's was ranked second in the country, and St. Thomas was fourth. So you would think, okay, they would meet maybe in the final four. Yeah. But because of logistics and the fact that they're both in Minnesota, they're meeting in the Sweet 16, um, or we're supposed to at least. But um, but yeah, they've traditionally been the the two powers in the league. But it's interesting now, St. Thomas, after next season, they're moving to Division One. They're going to the Super League. I've heard some uh, some inner say, rumblings and rumors of that whole that whole process, which is crazy in itself. I think just in terms of, I think. Obviously, when you get, especially at the Division One level, when we talk conference realignment, all those different things, different factors that go into it. But I think one of the things that I think casual fans, people don't realize on the outside, is just all the politics and the different things around that, because it is way more than I ever imagined. It was, whether it's, hey, some people want them in, some people want them out, some people want them to go immediately, some people want them in the conference, and it's, it's pretty crazy. It, it's been wild here. And, and when it first got announced, which was, I don't know, Maybe there were some rumblings even last year. And then I think last summer is kind of when it started really the snowball started, um, you know, getting bigger, but um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, some people say they were voted out. Some people say that they wanted to be out. And the the rule is right now uh, in the NCAA, if you're a division three school, you have to go division two first for maybe like six years or something like that. And then go division one. But if you are, you know, quote unquote, involuntary removed from your league, then you can go right to division one. And so, like you said, the politics behind all that have been really, really interesting, but like Scott Van Pelt had this big thing on his show about it. And the New York times wrote a big article. And so. Uh, what, yeah. what, what, let's say, <clears throat> let's say they did get voted out. Um, what was the reasoning? If, if there was a reason. Well, so St. Thomas, so our conference uh, has been, is maybe a hundred years old. And so St. Thomas was a founding member of the league and uh, some people would argue that as the as time has went on, they've they've outgrown the league, right? So talent wise, uh, well, talent wise, but even just from an enrollment size and just the the model of our league. So, like our most of the schools in our league are like small private liberal arts schools, but yeah. St. Thomas enrollment is more than double, like the next biggest school. So yeah. some people are like, well, why why is a school of this size still competing in Division three? But Division three is the largest division in yeah. All the NCAA, yeah. right? It's like 480 yeah. schools or, or something like that. So, um, you know, you have schools that are 20,000 uh, enrollment, and then you have other schools that are 2,000, right? And, and you have that a little bit in Division One too. But um, again, with the with the no athletic scholarships, it, it creates this divide. Yes. So um, it's going to be interesting because they the Summit League wants them and has extended them an invite, and St. Thomas wants to go, but the NCAA has to approve it, and the approval like, you know, the, the actual approval is supposed to happen, I think in April or May, but now with all this uncertainty with the virus, uh, it might get extended. But, um, but all we do know is that they have one more year in our league and then, and then they're moving on. So, and then they're out. Got it. And obviously, and Paul, we've talked about this and with the NEC with Merrimack moving up, I mean, you think, I mean, obviously you played against them and obviously being top of the league, Merrimack came in obviously won I think they they won the conference year one that do you think that would be at least on the basketball side of things a seamless transition or do you think there's going to be a little more growing pains a little bit of transition process to get up to a high level if they did go into a summit league like that 
Uh, you know, like again, right now, so this year they were, I think, yeah. 25 and three or 26 and three. So really, really strong program. But again, once you make that jump, um, I, I don't foresee them doing that in year one or year no. two, but also with this new transfer rule where you can transfer in right away and there's no penalty, right? I th- has that went through yet? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's official or not. I don't think it's gotten officially passed yet, but it's, see, obviously that's the trend. That's don't the trend. They, aren't the rules always uh, redone in August? I feel like. Yeah, maybe it's August. Maybe it's or August. maybe they, maybe they vote and meet at the final four, which obviously you know. I think yeah, maybe NABC probably puts their like their side of things. At things. least on that, yeah, at least and then I think it probably once all spring sports are done and everything before probably going into the fall. I think it's probably all yeah. Probably the basketball coaches like suggestions I think are probably done in April than the NCAA's. You know, yeah. yeah. So so I yeah I think that, again like that move there'll there'll be some bumps along the road, but it's. They're in a tremendous location, great facilities. Um, their head coach, Giant Towers, a, a really good friend of mine, and he's been two-time national coach of the year and has, has won for, for so many years. So um, I, I think in time, they'll, they'll be at the top of the summer league. So, On that, on that note, too, just kind of a, a little bit of a spin off it. Obviously, you, you see, I mean, it's not, not incredibly common, but you know, Duncan Robinson going either D3, D2, up to D1 transferring. And then you see also some kids that go D1 down to a D2 or a D3. I think um, was it Danny Ainge's son or something, I think transferred to uh, – yeah, yeah, he's at Babson. At Babson, yeah. So how – is that something, whether it's your program or just even across the conference, across the space that you see is common going like a lot of – whether it's Division two, three, or one – shifting either way or a lot or is it kind of hey once you're in this level it's more more common to stay there yeah again i think it's going to be really interesting with this whole transfer rule what what ends up happening um as it stands if you transfer down you're able to play right away and i think as you transfer up maybe you have to sit yeah right um i think it's a fine line you know i mean there were you know guys that when i was at davidson that that are again, like could have played high major and guys that could have played low major on the same team. Right. And there are guys in our league, we had the division three player of the year last season. He was at Augsburg and um, there's no doubt in my opinion, he could have played on a mid to high major division one team. He wouldn't have, you know, he averaged 28 and 11 last year. Like he wouldn't have averaged that, Yeah. but he could, he could have started the low major and I think played mid and high and he wanted to be close to home. It was the right fit. Um, yeah, the right fit. It's so it, important. It, it, it's important, you know, when you look at, there are so many kids transferring every year and a lot of it is just, it, it probably wasn't the right fit. Yeah. Right. And there's all this coaching movement and things like that. So, um, I tell guys, we're recruiting a guy right now who, you know, his goal, it, he's got a few division twos and, and he you know, wants to play division one. Um, but he realizes that McAllister is a really strong academic fit. He says he wants to be in a city. Uh, we've had a great relationship and built one. So, I don't know if we're going to get him or not, but um, I keep talking to him about fit because it's just, you get four years to play. And for the vast majority of these young people, they're going to graduate at 21, 22, and they're never going to make a penny playing professionally. So you want to start thinking about, well, when you're, when you're 25, when you're 30, when you're 35, right? Like what, what do you want to do? And they may not know, but um, why not use basketball to help you start figuring that out? 100%. No doubt. Um, I want to back up a little bit to, Staying on that commitment level. Um, That's our C word. You hear the other C word all the time with culture, right? And I, I yeah, was telling C- Connor, I'm like, dude, it's it's commitment level. That's that's our C word. So yep. Um, so I want to say, so with the commitment level, how how hard is it to find 
assistant coaches because again, to you know, to your point we brought up earlier, they're not getting two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars to be a Division one you know men's basketball assistant. Um, so how hard is that? And and where did you go? Who did you talk to 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 find Connor? And I'm I'm blanking on the the other guy's name. Uh, my Brandon, 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 Connor, Brandon. Yep, yep. So and um, so when I first got hired, like I said, in 2018, uh, Minnesota's home, right? I grew up here, but I hadn't lived here in 10 years, and so I wanted someone who knew the league, who played in the league. Um, someone where it might be a promotion for them. Cause there are some guys that might be um, a second assistant at a division three school, or maybe even a volunteer. And so, at, right. Everyone's trying to move up. And so um, I talked to a friend of mine who knew Connor and I knew Connor a little bit. Um, cause he, he actually played at St. Thomas, but he played, uh, he graduated in 2015. I graduated from McHale from 2008. So um, just spoke to a mutual friend, uh, met with, with Connor. Um, he was at Carleton, which is actually one of our rival schools, but Carleton's a really high academic school. So he understood um, where to look and the type of kid that would fit at a place like McAllister. And um, he's a big guy, right? So I'm, I'm five, seven, he's six, six. So I need someone, although when I was at at Bowdoin, I was the big coach, you know, so I was the guy, we had like a seven foot, six, 10, six, eight, and then me. uh, And I've been point guard my whole life, but, but it taught me the position. And, um, and then now Connor, obviously he's played the four and the five his whole life. So, uh, and it was a promotion for him. He was a second assistant at Carleton and, and he's a first assistant with us. So nice. Uh, so you, you try to find someone again, who's local. I, I wanted someone who knew our league, who could recruit high academic kids uh, yeah. and was just passionate about coaching. Right. Cause like you said, it's not, certainly he could be making more money, not coaching, yeah. um, but it's something he really wants to do. And, and he'll be, I keep telling him he's going to be a head coach in time. So um, this was the right next step for him. And then Brandon uh, was at Benedictine, which is an NAI school in Kansas. And he was moving back home with his wife. Uh, and again, from a mutual friend, my, my buddy, Nick Carroll, he mentioned him. Um, and so, and he's, he's also a high school teacher, but, uh, but helps us out as well. So nice. But yeah, a lot of it's just word of mouth and talking to people, you know, and trust and, uh, but guys who are already in Minnesota helped. Got it. That makes sense. Um, all right, man. I mean, let's, let's get to, the coronavirus. I mean, we, we did a pretty good job. I think we went 25, 30 minutes without talking about it. Uh, how was week one of quarantine? Man, it's been, I think, the weirdest week of probably all of our lives, right? Yeah, it, it's definitely. been, I was joking, I said it earlier, but I've Zoomed more this week than I have in my entire life. Yeah, it's unreal. Conference yeah. calls and Zooms. We did and- a couple. I had a, we did a little happy hour Zoom with some buddies from yeah. college. and. Yeah. Uh, going to check in with our players this week and we we did a department zoom so yeah uh, great tool actually it's a it's really fantastic shout out this is a little side tangent but i started looking up zoom i'm like who was the founder of zoom and so i did a little research and it was a guy actually in in china and he lived 10 hours from his girlfriend and he would take the train apparently every weekend to see his girlfriend wow he got tired of that trip and so he's like he's got you got to born out of love <laughs> So Zoom is a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. How about that? Yeah, man. I, uh, I mean, look, I'm in Brooklyn, Ian's in Queens. Um, you know, I assume your apartment Minneapolis. or house, Minneapolis. Yeah, I, I assume your apartment or house is a little bigger than ours. So, uh, we're going a little stir crazy after a week. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this for even another week, let alone four or five, six, however long this thing lasts. But, um, I don't know, man, it's, it's eerie, you know, it, it has a very, uh, uncomfortable feeling to it. 
Um, and not only because, yeah, people are getting sick, people are dying. This is as serious as it gets. But there, it just feels like the world is on pause and there's like nothing you can do. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and it's everywhere, right? Like it's not yeah. just it's just not New York or New York State or the, the East Coast. It's, it's like the entire world. Yeah. Um, and I, it's interesting. I actually had a trip planned to Europe. I was going to go to Europe for a week. One of my yeah. buddies is playing north of London and then a former player of mine um, is playing in, in like Western Spain. So I had this trip for a week and I was oh, really no. excited. And, and I was having people tell me, like, hey, don't go, don't go. I'm like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. And then with it, because it's, it's not like every week or every day. It's like every hour something changes. Yeah, right? it was very, I, I think one, you know, without getting into politics, because I don't want to, but I think we were a little behind the eight ball. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom like all sports canceled. And I think that's when really everybody was like, what the shit is going, what is happening right now? I mean, like a 48 hour window where it went from yeah. like, okay, we're at the first, it was like, we're going to play with no fans. Yeah. To, to every single sport is shut down for the foreseeable future with no end in sight. Like, yep. It yeah. Was, and it uh, just, and again, it, it just, it, it was a snowball. Right. And, and we're like, well, it's, it's not really that big of a deal to like, ah, it's kind of sort of a big deal to like, holy crap. Like we have to change the whole way we live. Yeah. When, in was, a span of a week. So yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I live, uh, it's called uptown in Minneapolis and you know, right. some restaurants and bars and things like that. And I was just going for a walk yesterday and it, you know, on a Saturday it's busy and there's always people out and it, you know, sun's out and there's, there's no one out. It's like, and then you see someone and it's just weird. It's like, you know, the tumbleweed kind of goes by. The street. Like, are you going to walk on the other side? Are we going to shift? Like we got to stay six feet. It's and just the whole interaction when you, you know, you walk by like, you know, someone, you know, or whatever. And it's, yeah, you know, the elbow bump. Yeah. It's, it's weird because I am sure, I think probably Minneapolis is probably a lot, is closer to New York in this respect. But like my uncle is talking, he's in the South outside of Nashville. My mom is down in Virginia. And like some people, I think because, They've never like experienced anything like this. Like so there, like the grocery stores are out of their minds. Like they, it was all the frozen food, yeah. all the bread, all to at least in New York. I think part of it, maybe, maybe I'm wrong because of like nine 11, because of Sandy, they've been through some things like this. And people aren't going to drastic, drastic measures. But I think there's yeah, no. some areas of the country and people just have zero idea how to handle this. Yeah. And, and whether like going over the top or just like, Oh no, this is nothing. Um, it's just, it's mind blowing to like, see kind of just the whole country for the first time, probably ever just kind of in one same like situation, just how everyone's reacting differently. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I was at the grocery store this morning and anything you wanted besides like hand sanitizer was there. Um, normal for us, you know, everything, pasta, meat, chick, whatever you wanted, it was there. And I talked to my mom yesterday and similar to your point, Ian, like, you know, you go in Connecticut and there's, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, and, and they even have, you know, my parents are old, so they, they go to the 6 to 7 a.m. like seniors only shopping time. Right, because they, they don't really? block it off for like an hour. That's real. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they, they went like, I don't know, twice in the past week or two, something to stock up. And, wow. um, you know, even then, even during that hour, they said it was like crazy packed and that people are just panicking. The, the toilet paper thing has been so weird because it's like one why are you so worried about toilet? this is not that like you don't get this virus and immediately have to sit on the toilet for two straight weeks that's number one and two it's like why would that be the like i understand soap i understand yeah. hand sanitizer i understand purell i get it but 
Toilet paper? I don't I don't know, man. You know, I get like even like if it's bread or if it's yeah, waters or but something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, what uh, what have you been doing? Do you have a routine? Are you reading books? Are you doing push-up challenges? Maybe. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. One of our, our student managers, you know, shout out to all the student managers out there, but um, there's this, I think it's on Instagram, like C20, do 20 or something. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You tag 20 people. And so one of our student managers tagged me. So I got I got a good 20 in, and then I had a few people calling me out saying, I'm not doing the full, you know, not doing the right push-up. Go to the, yeah, it's like, well, that's a half push-up, so... But um, yeah, I guess a few more push-ups, a little bit more reading, uh, more a, a few more naps. To be honest, right? Yeah. Time. It's like, my, why not? Everyone talks about how important sleep is. So it's uh, hard. I, I think the biggest thing I've struggled with is like trying to, especially in a small place, is like walk away from either your computer or the TV or like there's just no escape or like outlet for for my setup. It's just like you're here. This is it. You're either working or you're staring at the 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 tv or you're staring at your phone like i may delete social media here soon i you know i there's only so much scrolling i have left I Ian, what, are you, what are you doing man i think well shout out billy O. I don't know if i had if i be sorry he gave me a synergy login so i was able to download like nice all of virginia's national championship run from last year some of our old 2012 ohio games from uh mac tournament ncaa tournament so caught up on that but then I also I got to the point where I was like two games in and I'm kind of like this is just kind of sad because now I'm just like all I'm doing is reliving it hit a point where I'm like I can only watch these old games for for so long but I think for me the biggest when it hit like I think the hardest for me was Thursday and one because of two things one I was hoping for college basketball expecting the tournament to be on and then two it was like day four of okay this is like new normal like, I think we yeah. got to the point where it was first, not it was a novelty, but like the first couple of days, it was like, oh, okay, this is it. But now it's like, all right, no, this is day after day after day after day. Yeah. Um, Abe, what book are you recommending for people to read and what show are you recommending for people to watch? Uh, I'm reading, I'm rereading Legacy. It's by James Kerr. It follows the, um, like the All Blacks, like the New Zealand rugby team. Ah, okay. I heard that's good. Yeah, so just for, I guess, those, whether you're in coaching or not, that's what I'm reading now. Um, Wait, but you read that. You're rereading. I'm rereading it. Oh, so then you're obviously recommending it since I've only reread, like, one book in my entire life. <laughs> what, what was that? Uh, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. It's an amazing okay. book. Uh, I got through, like, half. I never, I didn't finish it. It was, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I don't know. It's, I loved it. It shows more on me. I just didn't finish the book. But, yeah, I, I did enjoy it. Um, man um i'm watching well i just watched a movie uh 21 on netflix that thought was pretty good have you guys seen that um it's like the the mit it's like the mit students who end up going to vegas they go back and forth yeah that movie's you know kevin tracy's had a tough uh no yeah uh, (laughs) yes he was (laughs) It didn't age well, I guess. The movie didn't age well. Yeah, I know. I watched... Um, that's what I watched most recently. That's a very good movie. Underrated. And it's one of those movies, like... That movie falls in the category of... If it's on, like, TNT, you always... Yes. yes. Yeah. Like, you're just finishing it. Like, that. Like, Wedding Crashers. Anything by Jim Carrey. You're just watching. Yeah. yeah that, that definitely falls in one of those. Um, I'll give... I'm reading uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. It is... 
taking me a long time to get through it. It's like 400 pages, but it's very, it's, uh, what's the right, I don't know. It, it's, it takes a lot of um, reading comprehension to get through one page. You got to like be locked in the whole time. So it's taking me a long time. And then Succession. Anybody watch Succession? I wanted, I've been asking Kelly to start watching that for the past like three months and I haven't. We haven't highly started. recommend. Uh, we I just finished so. season two. Yeah, I would recommend that. That's on HBO. Um, it is basically about essentially Rupert Murdoch and Fox News, but they just change it to be, it's called like ATN News. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of about the family and it's wild. I would, uh, I would highly recommend. Um, yeah, man. I, I don't know. I don't know how we're getting through this, these, these five, six weeks. And I'm praying that April 20th, the world comes back online because I don't know how this world works if it's shut down until May. Ian, you guys could put it, do you have either of you guys, you have a, if you, a a date that you feel comfortable saying everything will resume back to normal. I don't know fully back to normal, but I think we'll be, you know, like bars and restaurants will open like May 1st. Like that to me, see, like we got to get through April. I, yeah. th- I thought May 1st too. I thought May. Wait, so in New York, can you guys still do takeout or no? Yes. Until, until some, res- some restaurants actually don't allow you to walk in and people walk out and give you, you your food. And uh, you just like, you give them the cash or the credit card there or what? Mm-hmm. And then other places are like, yeah, you can just come in. It's fine. And then you leave. Yeah, I ordered, um, there's a place just right down the block and they're like, do you want to pay over the phone? I was like, no, I'll just pay when I'm there. And then I walked in and the guy, you know, you got the gloves on. And he's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I you know, you should have paid over the phone, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight's the last night, though, that you can order a takeout. It's all after 8 p.m. It's all non-essential businesses are shutting down completely. Tonight's the last night? I believe. So I'm looking tomorrow, now. Tomorrow you can't, there are no restaurants. It will be, it says, this, bodegas will stay open and provide essential services. Um, but basically, yeah, on Friday, Governor Cuomo ordered all non-essential businesses statewide to close by Sunday evening in an attempt to curb the spread of infection. So, uh, yeah, this next week's oh, going to No, never mind. Take it back. All right, Kelly, you're giving me misinformation here. Ah, freaking okay. Kelly. Supermarkets, pharmacies, laundromats, gas stations, liquor stores, and restaurants have all been declared essential businesses will be allowed to remain open. I live across the street from a liquor store. Let me tell you, it's been fantastic. Oh, yeah. We were in the wine store the other day, and the guy was like, oh, yeah, we're an essential. They're like, someone asked him, they're like, what's going to happen to you guys? He's like, no, we're an essential business. We're essential. No, my, uh, I, I, you know, my alcohol intake has skyrocketed, if we're being <laughs> honest. I mean, we've been crushing bottles of wine. I, I drank it, a lot. It just hits five o'clock and you can't go outside. You're like, what am I supposed to do, man? Oh, I know. I know. We've had a couple of friend hat with the zoom happy hours and stuff. And yeah. How are those? Uh, they're fun, man. Just get some friends from college. One of our guys had a birthday. So we, we all cheers to him and nice. Some drink more than others, but yeah. uh, you, you would, I think you'd enjoy it. All right. Well, let me get, let, let us get, uh, bring the green light boys on this next virtual, this next virtual happy hour. Before we go, um, make well, sure. Oh, I, I got a quick question. Quick question. Do you guys, is there, any, is there any green light gear? Like if I want to purchase or like. We need green light. We need some green light gear. Like, um, something. I mean, this is now during this time, you guys got to start creating something. I know. So. I know. Honestly, we should order shirts for every single person that's been on the podcast. It would get expensive, really but that would be a nice. No, so I'll pay for it. No, I'll, well, I'll buy it, but I'm just saying people are going to want to buy those right then that's cool then think of the all like how many guys have you interviewed 
How many people have you interviewed? I mean, 53 30? episodes. We probably, yeah, probably like at least probably 30 episodes, probably 30 different 30 people. coaches. 30 coaches. So then think of the spread. And then now all of a sudden you get a, you get a collage with everyone wearing the shirt. Take, yep. I'm I'll tell you, you what, man. You're going worldwide, man. No, nope. yeah, I tell you what, that's a very good idea, and I'm going to work on final it. four this year. But what next year? Where is it? Indy or Atlanta? I know Atlanta this year. Wherever we have, we can have a little like green light happy hour. Everyone show oh, that is nice free day. admission with the t-shirt. I love it. I love it. Hey, I think you got a future, man. If if, if college coaching doesn't work out, <laughs> I think you got a future in some branding. Some I I'm already promoting Abe to like head of marketing, chief of marketing. Chief marketing. Hey guys, I'm, real quick, I'm gonna go grab. Just give me one second. I'm coming right back. All give right, go ahead. Get some, get some gear. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That's a good idea. We need it. Yeah, we should. Now I'm gonna be. Now I'm gonna be researching. The logo. I love the logos. The new logo is sick. But we gotta make it. We gotta make it look like. Oh, I don't know. I have some idea. Maybe like a faded. So in 2008, product. me and, and my roommates at McAllister. We had this company, oh, it's Black Kitao Brewing, making people happy, right? Wait a minute, Spl- say that again? Black Kitao Brewing, it was something like Shaq said, like someone made it, someone dunked and Shaq was like, Black Kitao. So, <laughs> so Black Kitao Brewing, and my title, you can see. Marketing. VP of Marketing. Let me, Dude, you got it, go. man. So, this is we, can, we can make this happen. All right. I'm in. I'm in. Um, I was going to say, before we go, where can everybody find you? Twitter, Instagram, McAllister Hoops. Where can everybody find you? Um, yeah. Google McAllister Basketball. Twitter is just my name, Abe Woldeslassie. Uh, people can spell that 12 letters, but it's easy when you look at it. It looks hard to pronounce. When you break it down, it's, it's Woldeslassie. Yeah, it is. It really isn't that bad when you break it down. Uh, all right, well, Abe, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming out again. I know it's been uh, forever since we tried to get you on. So stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane in the quarantine. And uh, who knows, man, hopefully, hopefully we're out of this here soon. Zoom happy hours. Hang in there. Thanks for having me. Uh, see you guys soon. Appreciate it, man. Lately I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pulls, lust, rustles up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.